Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter Uplift Desk, a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work. And that's just the beginning of what Uplift Desk has to offer. With an emphasis on ergonomics and customization, Uplift Desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals. Whether you're coding, designing, or podcasting, like I am right now, the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality. What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. Have you ever had that heart-stopping moment when you realized you forgot the password to a critical account? I have, and that's exactly why I switched to 1Password years ago, and honestly, it's been a game-changer. I can't do without 1Password, and I know that if you give it a try, you will feel the same way. And when you support our sponsors, then you support the show. So I encourage you to check out what 1Password has to offer One of the things 1Password has to offer is it combines top-tier security with an award-winning design, making password management a breeze for anyone, anywhere. From the moment I started using 1Password, I said goodbye to the days of resetting passwords and worrying about security breaches. You see, 1Password isn't just about convenience. It's about saving you from the real cost of data breaches and the daily time suck of password resets. It works seamlessly across all your devices, filling in passwords for you so that you can sign in with a click. And the best part, all you need to do is remember one strong password that protects everything else. I've been using 1Password for as long as I can remember. My family is using it. Everyone in this household has bought in. It's, again, a game changer. It's completely transformed how I handle my digital security and my family feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders or having that notebook that says passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. And look, if you've ever been frustrated by a family member constantly asking for passwords, 1Password's secure sharing has been a total relationship saver for me. It's so secure that the Associated Press relies on it in high-risk areas, which means it's more than capable of keeping your digital life safe and streamlined. So why not make the switch? Protect yourself, your family, and your business with 1Password. It's the simple and secure way to manage your digital life. And right now, listeners of A Productive Conversation get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom slash productive convo. 
That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Again, onepassword.com slash productive convo. Check out one password. I know you'll fall in love with it like my whole family has. Again, that's onepassword.com slash productive convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. I'm Mike Vardy. Have you ever looked into fasting and thought, I love the benefits, but I can't go days without eating? Well, that's where Prolon comes in, transforming the fasting experience with a plant-based nutrition program that tricks your cells into thinking they're fasting without actually having to stop eating. Developed through decades of research at the University of Southern California Longevity Institute, Prolon is not just another diet, it's a scientifically backed program designed to support your body's natural processes. Now keep in mind, this isn't about cutting out food, it's about providing your body with the right nutrients to enter a fasting state while still eating. The program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all carefully designed to support healthy blood sugar levels, cardiovascular health, and even reduce abdominal fat. And the convenience? It's unmatched. Everything you need comes in one box delivered right to your doorstep. Thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon for its health benefits, backed by Nobel Prize winning science. So if you're looking for a way to kickstart your health journey with all the benefits of fasting and none of the hunger, Prolon is the answer. And right now, Prolon is offering a Productive Conversation listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash timecrafting for this special offer. Again, that's prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. Check it out today. Ever caught yourself marveling at the seamless magic of everyday tech, like how noise-canceling headphones block out the world or the sheer bliss of meeting-free Fridays? Now imagine if there was a way to bring that kind of magic into selling online. Well, guess what? There is, and it's called Shopify. From the moment you decide to launch your online shop to opening your first physical store, and even when you're pinching yourself because, yes, you just hit a million orders, Shopify is there to guide your growth. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or the latest productivity tools, Shopify supports you everywhere with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. The checkout? Oh, it's a breeze for your customers, converting up to 36% better than other platforms. And with Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant, you're selling more with way less effort. And you won't be alone in your Shopify journey because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., supporting giants like Allbirds and Brooklyn and millions of entrepreneurs across 175 countries. Their award-winning support is always there, making sure businesses that grow, Grow with Shopify, and yours can be one of those businesses. And for those looking to level up, Shopify's endless integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to chatbots ensure your business is always ahead of the curve. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash timecrafting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash timecrafting. Ever found yourself deep in a project, your flow state so intense that the world around you just fades away? That's the magic zone where ideas take flight and your work truly comes to life. But what if, in a blink, it could all disappear? 
Hard drives fail, coffee spills, and yes, even the dreaded accidental delete happens. But fear not, because CrashPlan has your back. Don't wait for disaster to strike. Head over to CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting now for a free trial and secure your creations with their limited time buy one, get one offers. Supporting our sponsors means supporting this podcast, so take a moment to check them out. CrashPlan is the superhero of cloud-based data protection, specifically designed for people like us who live and breathe their digital creations. CrashPlan ensures that every file, every idea, and every piece of hard work is safely backed up and protected. With CrashPlan Professional, you get unlimited backup for your computers, not servers or cloud apps, just pure essential data protection for PC, Mac, and Linux. This means your business plans, designs, music, and documents are continuously encrypted and updated in their secure cloud without you lifting a finger. Imagine this, your laptop takes a dive during a late night work session. With CrashPlan, it's not a disaster, it's just a minor hiccup. Their service runs quietly in the background, safeguarding every change you make every 15 minutes. And if the worst happens, your files are just a few clicks away from being restored with unlimited version retention acting as your personal time machine. For businesses, CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities are a game changer. Buy as many licenses as you need, manage them with ease, and let your team or your IT admin restore data seamlessly, saving precious time and resources. So go to CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting now to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited buy one, get one offers for a productive conversation listeners. That's CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting. Back up better with CrashPlan. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. This week on the show, my friend Kate Flanders joins me. She is the author of The Year of Less very long subtitle. Not so much less in the subtitle, but how I stopped shopping, gave away my belongings, and discovered life is worth more than anything you can buy in a store. And I've had the pleasure of knowing Kate for a few years now. More, And we, we actually get together every once in a while for coffee, because she is 
based in British Columbia, and she comes and visits here in Victoria. And every time she comes here, we we try to get together for coffee with myself and Paul Jarvis and Mark Johns and a few other people. If we, uh, depending on who's in town, uh, and, and what what the Year of Less does, it you know we'll dive into the book specifically in this episode. But I just the the I love the way Kate approaches this kind of stuff. And uh, I wanted to convey that in this episode. So our conversation is is going to talk about how you can have a year of less and what that actually means. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, having this conversation. Uh, I'm looking forward to having you hear it. And so let's just stop looking forward to make it happen. Here is my conversation with Kate Flanders on the Productivityist podcast. Kate Flanders is with me. She is the author of The Year of Less, How I Stopped Shopping, Gave Away My Belongings, and Discovered Life is Worth More Than Anything You Can Buy in a Store. Thanks for joining me, Kate. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So we just finished watching an SNL sketch, just to let you know. <laughs> um, if you're listening to this when the episode came out, uh, it is early January, uh, but we just finished watching an episode about New Year's resolutions. So this is probably an apt uh time to discuss it for most people. But uh, I want to get into the, the, when you started this, this experiment of living a year of less, you didn't start it on January 1st, did you? No, and I'm not really a huge fan of resolutions. Yeah. I think, I think, I mean, I started it, I will say, I guess it had a timely date. Sure. I started it on my 29th birthday, mm-hmm. but it had nothing to do with that, really, even. It was just sort of this marker that that came because for months and weeks before, I had been thinking that I wasn't super happy with how little I was saving, um, just where my money was going, that I didn't have enough money for the things that I really wanted to be doing, and, and then just decided, like, after weeks of kind of plotting it out, that now would be the right time. And so I'm not a fan of resolutions. I think you should do things when it comes at the right time for you. So that around my birthday happened to be the right time for me. Yeah. And my birthday's in July. Yeah. And, and July for some people is, I mean, my birthday's in July too. We're actually pretty close to, in birthdays. It's a good time for some people to take on bigger things because summer, like it's a little bit quieter, but yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like, and, and when you're putting something together like this and, and I want to go over the rules for the year long shopping ban that was on here because these were your rules, and I think this is important because this is something that my wife and I, and you were you were upstairs, we were talking about it before we, and my wife's got some very um, specific thoughts around me <laughs> taking on something like this. Um, we've talked about the Kickstarter uh, ban in my house because I, that's one of my things that I've done, but your rules were you were allowed to shop for groceries and basic kitchen supplies, and this is at the beginning of the challenge, yep. and I don't want to go into Again, I don't want to spoil elements of it, but this is something that you've published this before, so it's not. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I want to I want to make sure that we get into the fact that this this is what how you kicked it off. So groceries and basic kitchen supplies, cosmetics and toiletries, but only when you run out. Cleaning products, gifts for others, and items on the approved shopping list. You're not allowed to shop for takeout coffee, which I find. Um, it's kind of that's a fascinating one because you and I go for coffee. We do, we do. <laughs> um, so it was good that I bought it for you last time. We were there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it was well, a gift. That was a gift. No, but the point I'm, of it wasn't just to make everyone buy me coffee. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Clothes, shoes, accessories. You're not allowed to shop for books, magazine, notebooks. That'd be a big hard one for me, especially the books and notebooks part. Household items uh, and electronics. Um, and then approved shopping list was one outfit per uh, one outfit for multiple weddings. You had a lot of weddings. I to had go a to. lot of weddings <laughs> to go to that year. A sweatshirt, workout pants, boots, bed, and anything that must be replaced, but the original item has to be tossed or donated. Now, 
when when I've I've done the Project Three Thirty Three challenge, that, and Courtney's been on the show before. We'll link to that episode in the show notes. She had some rules around that challenge as well. So, what when you were putting together rules for this? What were your what were the rules that you felt had to be absolutely there? And I, I mean, obviously these ones were, mm-hmm. but they're like the core rules. And then what were ones that you thought this is going to make it a little bit more than what it needs to be at this point in time? Because I think a lot of people go in, they're like, especially again, at the, when we're, if they're, they're resolution driven, they're going to, I'm going to do it all. And then they fall. Yeah. They fall quickly and they don't fall forward either. I think, um, especially even like kind of looking back at the book now, I would almost say, other than the takeout coffee part, which we can talk about, um, you could instead, like I found for me, it was like, you're absolutely allowed to buy consumables. Mm -hmm. So anything that you're actually using and run out of. So obviously groceries, gas for your car, if you have a car, um, uh, toiletries, if you run out of them, of course you need more, as long as it's something you're using all the time, Mm -hmm. right? Of course, buy those things. So anything that you're consuming, you... To me, I'm like, for anyone, that's, you should be allowed to buy that. Um, for me then, I would say, for me, I knew it was going to make it hard was giving up books. Mm-hmm. And that was because of changing a habit. Yeah. Right? I had a really bad habit of buying a book. Basically, anytime I heard of one that I thought sounded interesting. <laughs> Which was all the time. <laughs> I had, hun- like, over the years, I have had hundreds and hundreds of books, but I've also had lots I've never read. Yeah. Right? And so I knew, for me, it was going to be very difficult, because I am an avid reader. I yeah. do read a lot, mm-hmm. but I bought way more than I read, always. Yeah. And so I knew that would be hard. And then the takeout coffee was one. It, people don't have to include that. I also will um, throw this in for anyone who looks at personal finance or reads personal finance stuff. I'm actually not a huge believer in the whole um, latte factor. Like oh, the David Box stuff. Yeah, like yeah. you're not allowed to have your $5 coffee or whatever. You can have it. I don't care. Like, yeah. I have them now, Mm -hmm. so I'm not... It was never about that. For me, it was that I wasn't comfortable with the fact that I was um, living and working from home. Right. But I was spending over $100 a month on takeout coffee that I just... I just wasn't comfortable with it anymore. Right. So I just sort of... I knew it would be hard. I actually didn't realize how hard that one would be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I knew I had to add those two things. And that's where I'll say... You know, for something like this, it should be absolutely personal to anyone who's doing it is that what I would say, like, whatever your biggest vices are that you're not comfortable spending the amount you have been or, you know, you've been buying too much and you're not actually using it. Add those things to the things you're like to the list of things you're not allowed to buy. Right. Minor books and coffee or they were for for the year. Well, and you mentioned this in the book. And, you know, I mean, I'm looking at the thing you say about, you know, the never argue with the reasons that your readers or anyone Mm -hmm. give for why they can't do what you're doing, uh, because Personal finance is personal. And I love that when I read that part. I'm like, that's what I think about productivity as well. It's personal. And when you are doing something that, when you're creating a framework or an experiment or any kind of process you with an objective in mind, then you have to treat it subjectively. Because if you, like, so for example, um, the book thing, like I'm the same as you. I've got books there that I've never read. So if I was going to do this, my wife and I were talking about the different rule ideas was, okay, I get Amazon credit for Amazon affiliate stuff. What do we do with that money? Normally, I buy books with it. Well, what if the rule was I get an allowance of one book per month, right? Like that could be that yeah. could be a rule. Uh, 
but the, there could be a there could be a subset of that role. And again, this is me being a bit more complicated, but but I don't get to do that until I've read all the books that are already here that haven't been read yet. Or, or you can buy the one, mm-hmm. but you're not allowed to buy another one until you've read that one. Right, right. And and the other thing is, is I, I subscribe to Blinkist. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um, I can't buy a book that I haven't looked at on Blinkist first. You know, like like you, you used to go to HMV and you'd be yep. able to preview it. I can get a look and go, you know what? There's something here that is going to be, you know, or maybe it's, and again, this is because I buy a lot of books for mm-hmm. research. Well, if something in, like, so a great example would be the book Homo Deus, right? Which is the, the new book that the author of Sapiens wrote, which I also own. Um, there are some elements in that book that I think would be really helpful for the work I do. I couldn't, I would not be allowed to buy that book unless I read the blinks and said, oh, there's something here that I'm going to be able to dig deeper into. So that book is on my approved purchase list. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of ways to do it that you can, where you you don't feel restricted by it. And I think that's what a lot of people do when when they look at anything that's a, that's, that's a framework is they look for where the restrictions are and then they say, no, can't do it. Right. Yeah. And, and that's is, is did you come across that a lot when you were talking to people about this? I know you mentioned the book and I want you to touch on that a little bit is the idea that people said, you know, who you came across was like, oh, this is going to be you, you're you're killing it. And then I was like, you're absolutely mad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was definitely a mix of all of it. I think that um, my closest friends and family knew right up front, like, even if they maybe thought it was crazy, they didn't tell me that. Right. Um, but knew that I would probably go after whatever I'd set out to. And mm-hmm. so they were just supportive of it. But I definitely had some people who, um, and so both friends and readers, um, I will say on the friends wise, it wasn't so much that they thought I was nuts. It was more like they um, they didn't understand the rules and the they felt the restriction was so big already mm-hmm. that they would just not invite me to things. Right. So they would not invite me to dinner out because they thought I was going to say no. Even though that's not one of your rules. It had, that was not on my, any of the rules. My wife thought that too. She thought immediately she was, well, take out coffee. So she, I guess she go for dinner. I'm like, no, that's not a rule. Like mm-hmm. the rule is you could, you could go out and you talk about that. But when you go to New York, like you didn't spend a dime, but the, people are like, oh, like, would she like buy, gro-? no, you, you would, you had to go out to eat. Yes. But yeah, but most people, they, they, they make it bigger or they, they create, they put their own, we talked about confirmation bias. They put, they, they kind of endow you with that. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's dangerous to do when you're talking about something that's so personal. It is. And I think it's, um, it goes to, to this idea. I've been thinking about a lot lately because especially with the book coming out now and talking about it a lot more and hearing from a lot more people who are saying that they want to take on something like this, but they ha- there's a lot of buts. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing I really want to make sure I'm telling people, because I don't, I don't know that I said it enough in the book or that I said it at all, is I really want to make sure people know that it's worth taking on a challenge, even if you do screw it up. Mm-hmm. So what if you screw it up? If you're like, I'm going to do it for 30 days. If on day 19, you screw up and buy something, don't stop. Like, okay, you did it. That's whatever. You can like think about it. Maybe you want to journal about it or do whatever you do to reflect on that. Mm-hmm. So learn from it, but keep going because it still feels great to get to the end of 30 days and go, I did it for 29 days. Yeah. 
there's so many lessons still in that. So mm-hmm. don't stop. There's no reason that you have to stop. I, I get why we do, because I talk about that a lot in the book, too, of just when I screwed up partway mm-hmm. through, I talk about how I know you can quickly go into the downward spiral of saying really awful things to yourself. Like, you're a failure. You should just give up. Why did you even bother? Right. I know how quickly... Um, our our brains just do that. That's another habit, right? Mm-hmm. Like we just do it and then we're self-sabotaging everything. Yep. So instead, really just like in those moments go, okay, I made a mistake, whatever. This is what's what's happened. This is what is happening. Carry on. And then get to the end of it. And more. it's more like even if you did it for a year and you shopped three times or 10 times, like doesn't it still feel good? And didn't you still learn a lot? Or couldn't you still learn a lot by continuing to go? And we talk, we'll talk a little bit about the, uh, the idea of the, when you screwed up in the bonus episode, but you're right. I mean, I found, and we talked about one of the times I screwed up as well. So it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to dive into that. And people in my community, the members of my community will get, get that episode. So if you want to learn more about that, go to productivities.com slash membership. But I want to talk about this idea of shame. And and I was listening to the Tim Ferriss show with Terry Crews. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. But this idea of shame and guilt. And uh, before you arrived today, I talked to my son about this because as a parent, and I want to talk about doing this as a family too, because it gets very, I mean, Courtney mm-hmm. and I talked about this a bit as well. Same with Joshua Becker and I, when mm-hmm. I had him on the show, again, link in the show notes, lots of links in the show notes. <laughs> Um, but all my friends, yeah, all your friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a theme going on here. Um, but, uh, I told him, you know, I tried to explain to him because it's hard as a parent when you have to be very conscious about how you craft your message to your children, because to say you're a bad boy versus you did a bad thing. Um, they they create two different sets of of responses. Saying you're a bad boy creates shame. Mm-hmm. Saying you did a bad thing creates should should doesn't always, but it it, it will elicit guilt more than shame. Um, can you talk about a little bit about the idea of shame and guilt during your your challenge? Because um, it could even be related to the idea of, and remember, less is a subjective term too. So people, if they read, and I think this is a message you might want to convey as well. I don't want to totally speak for you, but if people, a year of less is subjective. Mm-hmm. So your less is different from my less is different from my daughter's less, which is different from, you know, anyone listening to this episode's less. So can we, there should be no shame found in that either, right? No. Okay. So one thing just on that is that um, I almost wished Like, it's always in hindsight, right? I sort of wish I hadn't called it a shopping ban because Mm. realistically, it was just shopping less. Yeah. Right? And so sometimes I think, like, maybe if it had been framed that way. I think you needed it, though. I, I, yeah. I think I would need it too. Yeah. I would need to know that I'm not allowed to do it. It was a permission denied thing because. Yeah, like the red stamp. Yeah, because your brain, like, there's that part of our brain that goes. Well, what's the harm? What's the harm? But if you say, no, you're banned or you're not allowed, that speaks to that part of the, the you know, the amygdala, the, the part that's, you know, it, it understands that word versus, well, it's 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 a it's a credo or it's a manifesto. It's like, well, the manifesto is long and there's probably mm-hmm. some wiggle room in there. But a ban is like you're not allowed. Right. Yeah. So, but I, I think it's but, more in the communication of it because everyone yeah. just looks at like, oh, I'm banned from shopping for a year. 
And I'm like, realistically, I had a small list. Mm -hmm. I was actually allowed to buy some things, right? Like, so it's yep. not like I never bought anything. So uh, to go back to the shame part of that, it's interesting because um, personally, I can say that I'm someone who very much I I'm, I talk myself into doing things. Mm -hmm. I just I will come up with any list of justifications for something. But I know how quickly that can turn into like almost like a relapse. Yeah. Right. Like if you so you 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 talk yourself into it and you do the thing that goes against the rules that you've set out for yourself, whether it's a resolution or something like a shopping ban, but you break the rules or whatever. And you can very quickly turn that into um, I'm a bad person. And uh, it's not just, oh, I've done something bad. It's like, I'm a failure. I shouldn't have bothered. Mm -hmm. um, and so I remember going through that myself and then having to very quickly flip the switch and be like, no, I just, I'm not a bad person, but I don't actually need this thing that I just bought. I don't need it. Mm -hmm. And so having to reframe that and knowing that I didn't want to go down the spiral because that is what had always led to me binging on things. Mm -hmm. It had always led to me then going on a huge shopping spree or something or just like completely giving up. And so people say that to me that I'm I'm worried that it would just cause me to binge. It feels too restrictive and I would just binge. That's when I'm like, you need to give yourself some grace. If you do so-called so like, you know, break a rule, I'm like, it's not you're a bad person. It's just, and like, I also want to say spending money isn't bad and buying stuff doesn't make you a bad person. Right. We need, we need stuff. It's mm -hmm. fine. Like buying stuff is fine. Mm -hmm. It just feels so much better when you get to a place where you're only buying stuff when you need it. Yeah. It yeah. just feels better. Yeah. You're not wasting money. You, it feels so much better to actually use the thing. Like, right. Like it, you've gotten to a place where you've probably thought about it a bunch of times. This, I, I have a really stupid example for this, but it's one that's been really it's a good, sure. good way to illustrate it is yeah. for for I'm living in a new apartment or it's been about almost a year now, mm -hmm. but for probably the first six or eight months that I was there, I was so frustrated because I would find I was just leaving my coat all over the place. Mm -hmm. So and wet coats like I live in Squamish, B.C., which is like one of the wettest cities in Canada. So uh, usually a wet coat, I'm just leaving them all over the place. And that's because. For whatever reason, the way that they designed um, the front hall closet, it just, like, if it opens or when you open it, it hits other things. Right. And it's just super awkward. Mm -hmm. So finally, after months of really thinking, like, this is so annoying. This is so frustrating. I went out and bought a coat rack. That's not something I would ever normally buy because I would try and be like, oh, I have a closet. I do have yep. a closet. But it's really freaking annoying. Yep. So now I just bought, like, whatever, $8 or whatever it was. I bought a coat rack. I hang my coats on it, and it, it felt good to make that purchase because yeah, I'm buying something, but I'm I needed it, I, but, and but, it feels good then because every time I look at it, yeah. I'm like I can see that it's covered in coats, and mm -hmm. it feels good. But you're not averse to taking on new challenges to, and you did this. We meant you mentioned this in the book too, is new things to kind of augment the experiment or enhance it, which is interesting because so like for example, uh, if you like you rent, I'm assuming you rent, right? Yes. Okay, so if you owned. Your place, you might have said, "Well, what if I modify the closet to make it more suitable?" And then you'd have to have a skill set. Although your dad, I'm yeah, not, your yeah. dad would be able to, do it. but you could do that, right? So it, it creates this. You you then have the option because you've, you put this in your head of like, okay, I am trying to be more mindful with what I purchase. So ultimately, what maybe what I do is instead of buying the coat rack, I make the closet more tenable, mm -hmm. right? And you did that with 
a few things during the during the. I don't want I don't want you to get into specifics, but what I'd like to talk about is at the end you talk about the fact that one of those things you decided, meh, it's not for me. Like it's not something that I'm willing to do, right? Do you oh. remember? You, the, oh, um, gardening. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. And yes. I, like, I feel bad. I'm like, if, <laughs> if our friend Paul Jarvis listens to this, he has the best green thumbs. So he, <laughs> he will make fun of me forever. But I'm just not someone who's great with plants. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's like I truly want to. I yeah. want to be able to have a garden. It's one of my monthly themes coming up this year, so we'll see if I can oh, make because we've got like we've got the we live I mean you, you have the space. We have the space and we live in a community where you know people city, do. the urban gardens are a thing. Well, I grew up in this neighborhood. Yeah. When I was a kid. Right, so right. I grew up like my mom always had a garden and so when I was really young it was me, my mom and my aunt. They always had gardens. Uh when it was like when my mom got married to my stepdad, mm. we had huge gardens, tons of fruit trees, all kinds of stuff. So like my family knows what they're doing. <laughs> For whatever reason, I have not picked up on that. Um, I also think part of it is, like, I travel a lot. I'm not home enough to really... Yep. I don't know. Even as something that, like, just watering. I'm not around enough to do it properly. Mm-hmm. And so, anyways, I... that Yeah, halfway through, I had this realization that I wanted to try to garden and to uh, create some of... Or, like, be able to make some of my own produce. Right. I, I really genuinely wanted to do that. And then I tried it. I changed the rules so that I mm-hmm. could buy stuff to do that. Yep. And then everything died. Yep. So, no, but that's the thing is that, again, it's, it's, you had the core elements of the, of the, you have the framework, right? And this is what I talk, we, I mean, I know you talked about this too, but when you're building routines, it's habits stacked upon stuff. So you've got this foundation. So even if the gardening didn't work, which it didn't, it's not like, and you talked about this earlier, it's not like, you go, well, nothing works. But that's what a lot of people do is they say that, you know, the new thing they tried didn't work so then everything doesn't work yeah and and that's i think when you talk about shame and guilt and i i think that this is really important is if you if you're trying if you get specific about it then it's it it elicits the guilt factor if you care enough about it and then you can put something in place to mitigate it going forward like if you felt guilty that you uh and you talk about this about, about the e-reader if you then you could put in place the, 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 I'm not going to get that email anymore. Like you talked about, Mm -hmm. or I am, I no longer will buy electronic books. Like you could go even that far if you want. But I think the thing is, is if you don't get specific enough, then yeah, you can cast a big shadow on yourself. Oh yeah. I would say like something as simple as like the, the gardening example there of Mm -hmm. like, then essentially like, it's like, I, did set it up so I could almost like break the rules. Like I changed the rules so I could do this thing and then I did it and it didn't work. But the key point in that, like in, in the spending and the habit part of that is that I actually tried it. Mm-hmm. I didn't just buy the thing. And our friend Anthony Ongaro talks about this a lot. Like it's the false first step. Yeah. Well, we have the link to that show notes yeah. as well. So that'll be in the show because, notes as well. Yeah. Because I didn't buy the gardening stuff thinking now I'm a gardener. Yeah. I, I bought the stuff and I did all of the things. Yep. And and then I wasn't great at it. Yeah. So I did make an attempt. And I think that is another point of it of just, like, I'm not bad. And what I did doesn't make me a bad person. The fact that I changed the rules and bought these things, that also doesn't make me bad. It's 
it's very natural, especially if we're doing something as long as a year. Mm-hmm. Life changes. Yeah. As many years go on, your hobbies change. Yep. Like, I couldn't have told you, you know, five years ago, let's say, that I would be into overnight backpacking. But now I am, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm like... I, uh, that comes with some different stuff. Yep. You need some different stuff I didn't need five years ago. Yep. So life changes and you're going to buy things and buying things doesn't make you bad. You're not a bad person. Um, it, it's normal, I think, and I think healthy to feel some amount of guilt for um, things that, yeah, you know, maybe you shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. But that's just like a healthy amount. And you're not saying bad things. You're like, Ugh, that just doesn't feel good. Yeah. And so you're not a bad person. It's not about that. No shaming. But just that didn't feel good. So, like, I don't want to do that again. How can I not do that again? Before we wrap up, I want to talk about uh, a simple thing that people can try. And I'm going to try this. And there's lots of things you can put in place to make this happen. And that's the television ban. Mm, Isn't that interesting? (laughs) I love that you pulled that out. (laughs) So, um, first off. That didn't include Netflix, did it? Yes. It did? Yes. Damn it. I hadn't had cable. I haven't had cable yeah. since 2011. We didn't have cable for the longest time when we had Grace. We yeah. just didn't have it. And we found shows that we wanted through other means for an extended period of time. Uh, but then we eventually got it because, uh, you know, when one of us was home with our kid, there was there were moments where that's what you... It's all you could do. Yes. <laughs> to, yes. to survive. Um, we have cable now largely because of sports, but I'm not really paying attention to sports as much as I used to. Uh, namely because, um, well, first off, most of my teams aren't doing very well. But it's very helpful. <laughs> but also there's some other ramifications. Like there's other things which I'll talk about to members of my community in, in, a, in a bonus episode at some point. But how did you... I mean, you made this both a quantitative and a qualitative thing. Can you talk a little bit about it without giving too much away or why you did it maybe is, is a... Yeah, yeah. So it's so interesting. Like I found as the year went on, I sort of was realizing that there were other things that I also wanted to cut out, even mm-hmm. if it was just temporary. And, and it goes to the idea of being a more mindful consumer of everything. Including right? time. Including your time. Yeah. And so with television... And it'll be interesting to talk about this now because you'll be interested to hear what I'm doing for 2018. Okay. I don't have a resolution, but I've got something that's happening. So it was so interesting because I got to this point. I mean, I'm someone who I think it's very fair to say, especially if if you read the book, that I numb things. Mm. I numb emotions that I don't want to feel. Right. And one of the ways I used to do that was to have constant background noise. Mm-hmm. Right. So constant, a TV on. Um, the thing is, I would pretty much watch stuff I'd already seen. I read the book, by the way, partly with pro wrestling on in the background because it's <laughs> oh, just yeah. noise. It's noise. And um, but I would watch shows I'd already seen. Yeah. I didn't watch that many movies. I didn't mm-hmm. watch that much eh, documentaries, just anything I could learn from. Right. There was nothing really like that. When I would turn on Netflix, I would just watch the same shows I've watched before. I'd watch all X number of seasons. Just let it go. Yeah. Like, it's not like I would sit and watch every minute of it. I just had it on all the time. But then there Did were... Did you feel shame when you click the, like, are you still watching this? <laughs> are you still watching? Yes. <laughs> it's so funny. I think I had no shame about it. <laughs> But what I, what, because again, like I was doing things. You were, it was, it was background noise. Yeah. But yeah. you, 
I just, I still remember sort of one day realizing I wasn't happy with how much noise there was. Mm -hmm. And and then really doing some thinking and going back and thinking of there were a certain number or a certain couple of shows I had watched and then going, okay, this one had seven seasons. This one had nine. Let's add up all the episodes and each one's like 44 minutes long or whatever. And realizing how many like weeks, not just like. I think Chris touched on this a little bit in his book, The Productivity well, Project. As not well, just yeah. like days of your life, yeah. like how many weeks of your life. And it's not that you've wasted them all because, like I said, I, I you are doing other things, but. It's noise I didn't need to hear. Right. So, anyways, I decided it was um, partway through the the shopping ban. I decided to do a 30-day television ban, and I cut out, um, yeah, no Netflix. I obviously didn't have cable. I couldn't watch anything. Like, I couldn't, if I was like, oh, I can find it on another website. No. Like, I couldn't watch anything. Mm -hmm. Very quickly um, realized I was actually Fine, a good chunk of the time because I would replace it by podcasts and audiobooks, yep. which was great um, and very helpful because at that time I was also thinking of quitting my job. So mm -hmm. I started listening to a lot of different podcasts, either about that or from people who were self-employed. Yeah. So it was very helpful actually to sort of get me in the right headspace. But I realized I I just like really needed something when I sat down to eat meals. Oh really? I, I don't know why. That was like my thing, and I didn't. I didn't change this right away, but partway through, I decided to change it so I could watch a TED talk mm -hmm. during meals because that's actually the perfect amount of time to be watching something. Yeah, no more than eighteen minutes. Yeah, and they're, and they're usually like ten or fifteen, which like you're done eating in fifteen and if, minutes. In fast food, you could watch Derek Sivers. <laughs> they're only three minutes. Long. <laughs> So, so anyways, I decided to do that. And then I actually found, like, there were only some days I did that. Mm -hmm. Some days I didn't. Sure. Um, and then there was, partway through that month, I did travel to Toronto for work and stayed with a friend. She has cable. I wasn't going to walk away and, like, not hang out with her while she had something on, right? Like, I'm not going to be like, well, I can't watch yeah. this, so I'm going to leave the room and go sit by myself. So there were times where I was definitely around television, um, but sitting down and intentionally doing it um, for the better part of the 30 days, I was successful with that. So what are you doing now? I canceled my Netflix account. <gasps> Whoa! <laughs> That's going to say, well, it's more, it's what, $12.99 now, I think, or something like that? I think like $11.99. Yeah. It, it's not that much, and it's not about the money, though. No, no, no. It's about being intentional. Yeah. It's about being intentional. So it's interesting. So I want to, before we were, like, one of the things that, Obviously, when you have a family, it's more challenging. So I've been, I used to have a TV in this office, actually. It was right up there. We sold, like, I got two TVs at Target when Target was closing in Canada. Mm. Uh, two for 150 each. They were flat screens. They were a great deal, screaming deal. So I had two of them. One in my office because I wanted to do what Pat Flynn had done with his office and have a TV in here so I could rehearse my talks and all that stuff, mm, okay. which was I thought was really a great idea. And then we had a second TV for the downstairs because we were just moving into the downstairs to have a second TV there, which we thought would be great for the kids. And then upstairs, um, we already had the one. Uh, this year, we sold the one in my—we actually took the one from my office and sold it and kept the one for the downstairs. Um, and we had an Apple TV on the one down there. Um, but for me, I think the what I'm going to do is my wife and I could watch a particular show uh, on demand. And that's the thing is a lot of people go, well, I must watch this show now while it's on because it's on. Man, you don't have to do that. We have PVRs like you could literally either a record it and watch it when you have prescribed like you set aside like TV time. Mm -hmm. 
um, which is what families used to do. Like yes. back in the when TV first came out, it's like everyone sat around the TV and watched like the the, the shows, right? Yeah. Like they would do with the radio because you couldn't, you know, you had to prescribe that. Secondly, if you wait and it shows up on Netflix, you could do the whole binging thing, which is a whole other issue. Oh, yeah. It's a huge issue for a lot of people. Um, so for me, what I'm going to do is I will not, my, my plan is to not watch anything live. So anything sports, that's, that's part of it. Okay. <laughs> um, and that's, that's hard because a lot of people struggle with FOMO on those pyramid. Mm-hmm. Like they, and I was able to do it largely this year with sports because I didn't, we canceled all the sports channels, but we kept like basic cable. So we only have basic cable now, but Colton mainly watches Netflix and so does my daughter. So if we were going to cancel cable, the the reason we keep cable, and this is why I reason a lot of people is because you bundle it with everything else and Mm -hmm. it seems like nothing. Um, We get pushed a lot into the, like we get a lot of calls like, Hey, up your cable up this We've been really, really good about that. So we kind of found a medium that works for us as a family. And I think that's the challenging part for a lot of people is they go, well, the family does it. Now, you can make those choices. I, like, again, not watching anything live. If I want to watch sports, there's there's ways to watch them on demand when you want to watch them. Um, But it's the same reason why, and you can kind of cater it so your family knows how you operate. My family knows that Saturday is family day, so therefore that's when we go see movies. Like, that's just general. So you can make it work, but you have to be intentional about it. Whether it's canceling your Netflix account altogether, or whether it's doing what you did as a whole. Mm -hmm. If you're not doing it intentionally, and, and the last thing is you working slowly. And I think that that... That's a big thing that people don't equate with productivity and time management is the idea that when you slow down, you make you make better choices mm-hmm. because you're not caught up in in the culture of speed. And productivity isn't about speed. It's about being intentional and then saying, how am I going to pay attention to that? And when you have less stuff... You find that there's, you could pay more attention to the stuff that actually matters. Well, and I'd also want to go back to something you said um, earlier about how habits compound. Yeah. Right. And so I actually think that, or like habits stacked on top of habits. I have, I have a saying for it in the, that more relates to personal finance, but it's that every small change you make pays compound interest. Mm -hmm. Right. Because once you've made one, you're able to go like, look back and go, okay, I did that thing. So now I can make another change. Mm-hmm. So I've done this with all kinds of things. So you could look at my story or something and be like, oh, you see this person who's um, quit drinking and didn't shop for, I actually didn't shop for two years. Yes. And, and, you know, you could look at all these different things and be like, oh, you oh, and paid off my debt and quit my job. And you could be like, oh, she's done all these things. But I'm like, everything has been one at a time, mm-hmm. one at a time. Right. And then looking back and going, oh, I can do that. And that's where... Uh, as an individual, it helps you. It doesn't feel as overwhelming. You don't have to do all of the things mm-hmm. all at once. But also within a family, you only have to try and change one habit. And you can also only lead by example. Yes. Right. Like, uh, I, I get a lot of questions because, yes, I am single and I live alone. So I don't have a family to answer to or to um, worry about when coming up with my list of rules or anything. But I still believe you can only lead by example. So well, you and, you, and, you, and you can create your own rules and with them in mind, mm-hmm. right? Like it doesn't have to be 
I mean, you can still be an individual in in the family family unit. Like you te- you don't just have to say, well, this is how the family does it, so that's the end of it. Like when I did the whole thirty. I was the only one that ate Whole30. No one else did. When I went, you know, I I mean, I'm eating meat again, but when I went largely vegetarian, and I eat mostly vegetarian still, um, no one, I didn't say, hey, everyone, you can't, like, you can't, it's personal, like you mm-hmm. said, it's personal. And I, I think that, that um, you know, the idea of making those small changes, like we saw that SNL sketch at the end where he <laughs> said, I should have started smaller. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Maybe not with the other things that he did, yeah. including the last thing, um, or the second last thing, third last thing, second, the the NSFW thing. Yeah. Uh, um, but that's the thing is is I think the idea of I think your year of le- first off your year of last can start anytime you want to. Like I say, you can mm-hmm. start the year you want anytime you want, but also it can be it's your year of less, not I, not not mine, not yeah. yours. It's 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 you, listener, and you don't have to do a year. No. Or, like, your year could be just one of those things. Like, no books for a year. I'm going to read everything I own. And that's your only rule. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, it can be whatever you want it to be. but And it should be personal. Because Mm -hmm. when it is personal, you'll actually move towards it. Like, you'll actually want to achieve it. Well, that's an intention. Yeah. If it's it's an intention, then it's personal. Like, it's you. That's you've decided that. Yeah. Whereas if it's just, you know, if it's just a task... It tends to be something that you want to check off as many as it becomes more quantitative than qualitative. Kate, this has been great. Um, the book, The Year of Less, How I Stopped Shopping, Gave Away My Belongings, which we didn't get into too much, but they got to read the book to get that, <laughs> and Discover Life is Worth More Than Anything You Can Buy in a Store. It's out. Uh, it's coming out. It's not quite out yet as this goes live, but where can people get it and where can people learn more about you? Um, so, I mean, you can read about me. Uh, my my blog is kateflanders.com. Kate is C-A-I-T, which is super weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's not really that weird. Well, it's not normal, Kate. I can Siri it and it spells it right, but it's probably because you're in my context. Yeah, I'm in your context. But everything's on there. The book's out January 16th. Oddly, I'm facing the challenge of everyone seems to be distributing it early yeah but but, you, but yours is going to be like the resolution fixer if because by that time resolute a lot of resolutions they'll be fall. over yeah they'll yeah. be like i can't do oh wait i can do this <laughs> so there you go and uh and you're not on facebook anymore no why well, I, I am but i'm not going to be in two more so weeks just, so, so just don't, don't go there don't go to facebook <laughs> but i do hang out on instagram okay awesome thanks so much for joining me today Thanks to Kate for stopping by the show. Uh, I really, uh, again, I have a great time chatting with her. So uh, you, you got to pick up the book. It's available uh, using the links in the show notes. Um, and and again, this is, you know, if, if you're listening to this when the episode came out, this is the time of year for most people where, you know, that kind of thing happens, where you want to start thinking about having a, a year uh, of, of less, of less stuff, of less worry, of less overwhelm. So, uh, again, pick up this book and, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks to John Polster for producing the show, uh, in, in less time than usual he's given to do so. And, uh, and again, thanks to uh, Kate for joining me. Big thanks to you, of course, for sticking around. Uh, that's it for this week. Until next time, I am Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivities Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. <laughs>